Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Driveway Liberty Podcast. Coming to you from the beautiful Stephen Burnett Corporate Center in wonderful Freeport, Florida. Hey guys, Uncle Wes here. Remember how we're always talking about how we wish we had access to an alternative marketplace for conservatives and get away from this woke culture? Well, guess what? We found one. MammothNation.com. You can buy jewelry, eyewear, stuff for your pets, sauces, spices, coffees, vodka, wine. Just about anything you want, you can get at MammothNation.com. And guess what? If you use promo code Driveway Liberty Media when you sign up, you can get 30% off your first year. Go check them out. MammothNation.com, promo code Driveway Liberty Media. I am your Uncle Wes. I'm sitting here with Dan. What's up, Dan? Wes, what's happening, brother? Not a whole lot, man. Just, uh, you know, trying to get through another day looking at some of these idiots out here. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's summer. Yeah, no doubt. It it's is summer. definitely it's is. Been, it's been hot. And we, remember we talked about this in in April? Yeah. During the spring when we were having the, you wake up in the morning, you go out on your back porch, it's, you know, 58, 60 degrees, and it's just beautiful out. Yeah. In the morning when, where it. And we're like in July and, and August, we're going to be wishing for those days. Right. Well, guess where we are. We're right. We're in, in July, July wishing for those days. So yeah, those are my favorite three days of the year in Florida is those three days where it's like <laughs> 65. <laughs> well, we had a pretty good stretch this spring. We did, man. I we think that's the good. longest mild um, weather we've had. Actually, it, it was went through, into May. It, it, it rolled well into, into June yeah. for the most part. Oh, yeah, we didn't have our nice. first unbearable day till June and then it backed off again. So it's pretty cool yeah. hey hey guys we are super excited man we've got a uh we've got a expert on the show with us today dr wesley ingram and y'all don't get confused his voice sounds different than this wes but um you know we're so glad to have him on he is a geologist he uh has a phd uh from the university of north kakalaka or carolina if you're not from the kakalakas <laughs> uh dr ingram tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm currently working in the oil and gas industry. Uh, I've been there for about 15 years. Uh, do everything from exploration to uh, subsurface analysis, log analysis, reserves in place. You know, oil and gas, all that kind of stuff. And uh, worked on the operation exploration side, just all over, all over North America. I've I've never really been international, but I'm mainly focused in North America, oil and gas. And uh, prior to that, I had a whole uh, lifetime or career in uh, in uh, academia and research, and uh, did my undergrad masters at Florida State, not too far from you guys over there in Tallahassee. Right, and uh, and then I went up to uh, North Carolina and uh, and uh, did my dissertation up there, and uh, uh, kind of changed it up a little bit. I, I was definitely started out in geologic sciences and marine geology and all that, Florida State, and when I went up there, I was actually in an oceanography. Uh, department and uh, did geochemistry, studied marine gas hydrates, petroleum seeps in the deep water Gulf of Mexico. And that's kind of what kind of led me into the oil and gas industry since I was already doing something that was had a bent towards oil and gas. Right. I took an internship and then went down to Houston and uh, I did an internship with a big oil company. And, and then a career just kind of started from there. And that was back in 08. Uh, well, well that, man, it, dude, I, when I met you, I, I mean, you're a young looking fella. 
you are. And I was thinking, wow, this dude's got this, all these credentials and, uh, seems like, you know, your stuff and you've, you've been around for a minute doing some of this stuff. Now you say uh, in your bio, it says that you've developed an interest in paleoclimatology. Yeah. Yeah. I, I studied a lot of paleoclimatology back when I was, uh, a graduate student, both, uh, during my time as a master's and, and PhD as well. Right. And, uh, just was interested in that, studied a lot about it, read a lot about it. And, um, you know, a lot of geologists dabble in that because, sure. you know, as, as a geologist, you, you study, uh, the evolution of the earth and, uh, going back in deep time, millions of years. Um, but paleoclimate has, uh, a lot of different sub disciplines within it. There's people that study the deep time record, you know, and going back millions of years, tens of millions of years. And then there's folks that study kind of the glacial interglacial, which right. is on, you know, tens of thousands, hundred thousand year cycles. And then you have people that study the more recent stuff, you know, a thousand years or less going back. Cool. Uh, So, yeah, I, uh, I've had, you know, I, my degrees in political science. So I put off my, my actual real science requirements until my last two semesters of school. And I, uh, I took geology and I said to my wife at the time, as I was finishing, Man, if I'd have taken these classes in my first year in college, I'd be a geologist. I mean, That's I, fun. I yeah, found it interesting, or at least in some yeah. ancillary, you know, field related to it, because I was, it was so interesting to me the rock cycles and the water cycles and how they work together, and you know, you know, I'm also a history buff, so they go hand in hand, and it's it's kind of a real world, hands on way to look at history. I mean, obviously there's archeology span that goes in that, but, um, it's a real hands-on way of looking at the history of the earth through millions and billions of years ago. Whereas, you know, you know, know, what we call modern history is just based on things we find and written works and things like that. But one of the reasons we were really excited about having you come on was that whole climatology part of that paleoclimatology thing. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I know in our off uh, off air uh, conversations, you and I discussed a few few things along those lines. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but and I hope you don't mind me mentioning something we discussed off air. You you think that the reason a lot of these scientists are so gung ho about pushing climate change as a man caused situation? Um, is because the money involved in research. Is that accurate depiction of what you said? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. You know, unfortunately it's become politicized. It's become about the money. Um, You know, even folks that originally kicked this off the debate way back in the sixties and and seventies came back later and, and said, you know, you know, maybe we shouldn't be, so, so alarmist about this. I mean, I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to sit back and say, oh, you know, CO2, it's not humans. It's not all that. Like, no, you have to be true to the data. Sure. But at the same time, there's there's a lot of alarmism going on. And I was in academia long enough to see this culture of, of that. Right. And it, it goes back to getting your funding. You got to keep your grants, grants. right? You got to keep yeah, those yeah, grants. Yeah, keep yeah, exactly. Got to keep that money coming in. And the government, you know, the NSF, they, they are the source of this funding. Right. And and they want stuff that sounds dramatic, planetary 
change, climate change, all this stuff. Those are key buzzwords. And if you don't write those in your proposals and your abstracts, you know, it, it not only does it not sound as dramatic, but you're probably less likely to get your money and your funding. And, you know, people understand that these scientists understand that even if it's, you know, unwritten or, or, you know, they're not necessarily specific about it, it's understood. And so those guys want to do their research. They want to have more students and they want to get funding. And sure. So that's what they, that's what they do. They basically give the system what it, what it wants, which is uh, being dramatic and being alarmist. So in in essence, government, because that's who's funding the majority of these projects, like you said, um, there is some private funding out there, I know, for grants and things. But they have a predetermined conclusion that they want these guys to come to, just like a drug company that says they do an independent study, but all the all the uh, scientists studying that drug are in the other room, and their the paychecks have the name of that pharmaceutical company on it. I mean, it, right. it's a similar it's situation. Similar. Yeah, exactly. It's a similar situation. I had a professor in college tell me, and it was a philosophy-based class, he says, everything is impacted by ideology. There is no, it is very difficult to be intellectually honest and, and, and present data, raw data, with a, with a real conclusion based on said data without being able to with without some sort of influence, whether it be personal or external, does that? I agree it, with that. Yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it's you, human nature. You can't take out human nature. Um, you know, no matter what their training or background. Sure, um, absolutely. So. And Dan, I'm dominating the question. That's okay. That's I'm right. sorry. I have a question. So the the those who are promoting the climate change situation as uh, being cast uh, being you know catastrophic to the human race which is basically what they're portraying if we don't change the way we do things you know the earth isn't going to be inhabitable in the next x number of years I thought it was last year. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the numbers change, but the the great the, Greta Thunberg. Yeah. So whether they move the date out or not, but the premise behind it is: listen, if we don't change the way we do things, we're going to make our planet uninhabitable for humans and and most of the biological uh, species that are out there. So let, let me, and this is going to based on what you told us in the beginning when you introducing yourself. This might be uh, something right up your alley. My first question is. So we, we know that the Earth's climate has changed throughout history, but they say that the current warning, warming is happening at a rate not seen in the past 10,000 years. So how can anybody factually know what the temperature was 10,000 years ago? So there's a lot of ways of getting at it through what we call proxy data, but it's not a direct, it's not a direct measurement. The short answer is they have... No way of, of knowing that to a high degree of certainty. You have to lean on uh, proxy data. Uh, now, if you're going back in the paleoclimate record on the order of thousands, tens of thousands, or or, or even you can go back about 450,000 years uh, when you start talking about the Antarctic ice cores. And what they do is they actually grab little air bubbles that get trapped as that snow you know, settles. There's a little air pockets that get trapped in there and then it compacts and it forms ice and over hundreds of thousands of years you can take that it's mostly all ice but there will be little pockets of little sampling of of air going way back 
And what they use are um, they can look at the composition of the gases. They can look at what are things called isotopes, uh, which where you basically have an odd number of you know neutrons in there. You got an extra one stuck on. You're either what they call heavy or light with mm-hmm. respect to carbon and oxygen isotopes. Mm-hmm. And these are again these are proxies. They're, it's an interpretation. And it basically gives you an idea of temperatures might have been a little warmer or cooler. Now, I've given a very cursory, just scratching the surface. There's a lot more to it. It gets very involved and they do other isotopic analysis as well, too. Um, but that's basically what it is. It's a proxy data. It's not a direct measurement. So, so, so in I other, don't know. So, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it, it, it just it, just to put it in layman's terms as we're just two fat beer drinking dads. Um, it, it's like, it's like a secondary source as opposed to a primary source when you're writing a term paper. Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't. Yeah, it's something that has a correlation, mm-hmm. uh, and you are relying on that correlation and they'll calibrate, you know, some of these prox- proxies to, um, recent things, you know, they'll, they'll tie it to, you know, corals or, or something and the water temperature in there and they'll, they'll do something that's more recent and then they'll project that back through time. But it, but it's a, it is a projection and it's, it's not a direct measurement and uh, they can't say that with a high degree of of certainty. Uh, There may have been times, in fact, many geologists and people that study the deep time paleoclimate record believe that there were extremely dramatic climate changes in in the past. So to say that, that right now is unprecedented and, and a, warming at a rate that's never been achieved before in thousands of years. That's, I could, I could tell you that's most likely wrong. I can't say with a hundred percent probability, but I can say that's highly likely wrong. It's inflammatory uh, it rhetoric for the most part. That's yes, the way I would view it. it. Okay. Yeah, so exactly. Their, yeah. their, their argument is based on fractions of degrees in which we are, they are claiming that we are increasing in temperature. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's studies and out there that you can go and read and look, and you can see the scale bar on the left and how they look at that. And yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, it's it's we're not talking about huge things, but when they get into the alarmist stuff, usually those are models that they project out in the future. But if you're looking at the recent uh, uh, record, like say going back a thousand years, there's a, a a famous paper that IPCC always the International Panel on Climate Change, um, and that all these global warming people want to cite is the Michael Mann paper and what is known as the hockey stick. Have you heard of this? I think I have, but if you don't mind refresh um, for our listeners. Sure. So the the hockey stick graph basically goes back about a thousand years and it tries to combine um, multiple different proxies, you know, tree rings, sediments, ice cores, and different, it homogenizes them all to together. Right. And that study was about 10 years ago. It was Michael Mann, uh, University of Pennsylvania or Pennsylvania State, Penn State, one or two. Um, anyway, uh, it shows this kind of tracking and going along and then a big hockey stick bend up. Well, it turns out that study had major problems. And uh, Steve McIntyre went into it and basically looked at it. And, and I don't know if you guys remember about the whole, I mean, it wasn't really reported on the mainstream media, but the climate gate thing that happened about 10 years ago. And, you know, I I got into that and read into that a little bit. And from my perspective, after looking at it and seeing what that guy did and using 
statistics and combination of proxies and homogenizing the data and even cutting the tails off time series data uh, where he hit the decline. And, and then that that hide the decline was basically where this stuff came out in emails where he was going back and forth and, and saying, oh, I, I, I figured out, you know, Michael Mann's trick how to hide the decline, ha, 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 kind of thing. Right. But it was really, from my perspective, I've, I thought that was really terrible. Sure. I mean, this guy's basically manipulating the data to fit a narrative that he wants. And the guy's still there. I believe he's a tenured professor. He's nothing ever happened to him. No well, reprimand, tenured, no so. nothing. Yeah. Well, we live in a I world mean, where there's no accountability. Right. For, yeah. So and as, that's long a, as, that's as long as you're defending the narrative, there's no accountability. Yeah. And that's that's a that's a real problem. I mean, as soon as I saw this debate go from the science realm over to the political realm, I was like, this, this is just bad. This is not going to end well because, uh, you know, people are going to cherry pick their their data and interpret how they want to. But this guy went a step further because he, he actually even manipulated data in the time series and removed data that didn't fit and put others together and, and just, you know, you don't do that as a scientist. Now, no, no, when you're you, writing papers and you're doing research, it's okay to have different interpretations. In fact, scientists do it all the time. They, they disagree fiercely. Uh, but we always go back to the methods and the data when we're putting our studies and our papers together. Right. And you, you're supposed to not mess with that. The idea is that someone can come back in, look at your methods, look at your data, and not only can they take your raw data, come to their own conclusions, agree with you or disagree, but they also have all your methods. They can recreate it. If they can't recreate it, that's a problem. And apparently Michael Mann was not even, uh, when this guy Steve McIntyre was asking for the data and how'd you get here, he was apparently railroading the, you know, the whole time hmm. and, you know, not giving him the raw data sets, not explaining how you do this methods. I mean, that's a, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, to me, when that whole thing was happening, it was very frustrating to me as as a scientist because I'm just thinking, you guys, you guys are just just, just discrediting real scientists. You know, we, we need to get at we need to get at this. We need to understand it. And, right. and the Earth system, the Earth's climate is a very complex thing. Don't don't let anyone tell you that. Oh, it's it's the simple thing. CO two goes up. We we warm by this much, and our model says so. Don't believe that. That's a bunch of a bunch of crap. I mean, it's, it's a very complex system with sure. positive and negative feedbacks going in both directions. Right. Um, and so, you know, you just see this happening and it's just, it's too bad because, um, he yeah, as a scientist, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time in that and in academia and got my dissertation and spent my career in it. And, you know, if people do that, they, they undermine those credentials and in, in the field of, of science. I mean, it's like the whole thing that we saw with all the COVID stuff. And I don't want to get on a tangent and go off on all that. Uh, oh, no, please, they do, please, do, if you please do. We do tangents here. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you know, you saw, you saw that same pattern if it didn't fit a narrative. Um, and, and there were very serious scientists with very distinguished backgrounds. You sure. Know, Dr. Malone and, Peter McCullough and all these different guys, and they were just shut down and told to shut up and no, don't talk about ivermectin and all. Never mind that it was, you know, recognized in Japan as something that was very effective towards, you know, viral infections. Um, I believe it may have won a Nobel Prize. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. About I that. think it did. Yeah, uh -huh. take your yeah, accurate. 2015. Yeah, yeah, so, it, you know, it, it's, it's it does. Problem. And the thing is, is I, 
look, I don't want to get conspiratorial, but it, you, you look at stuff like this and you can't help but lean that way. Well, we're dealing with a conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it, it, they are purposely, not only are they skewing data on the front, on the scientific front, but what they're doing at the same time, like you said, and I'm just, just, I guess, repeating it in a, in a more simplistic way is they're undermining the faith that we used to could put in science. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and in yeah. doing that, then you start questioning everything and, and you should question things. So that's, that's part of science, but, but you, you, right. you get away, you, you start not only questioning it, but your default position is no longer, well, let me look at this and make my own determination or make a determination. It's lit. Oh, oh, that's a published paper on this. Oh, it's got to be BS. Here, you know? Here's the thing, though. The people, the people who are in charge, elitist, whatever the word you want to call it, they do not see the population as thinking humans, as people. They see us as subjects. So they believe that their job is to control us by influencing us through the manipulation of the information that we have. They don't they don't want people to think anymore. No, they don't I want people like us. To that, yes. Yeah, yeah, they don't want us to dig in and ask for proof. They just want us to trust the experts, shut our mouths yeah. and go along to get along with what they say mm -hmm. to our own detriment. And we've seen that. Yeah. You talked about covid. Doctor, we I mean, you talk had about hospitals that. forcing an, a, a, a vaccine that had had not gone through the scientific trials by physicians and administrators. Mm -hmm. I mean, in physician at slash administrators, it, it just it boggles my mind. Look, this shot. I'm not going to go into the shot not being safe. We've done podcasts on that. and I don't believe they are, but. That aside, what real scientist, a medical doctor who you expect to treat you for your health or, or any other scientist for that matter? I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting mad. Yeah. Well, it's, it's well, you, you want them to be as professionals or scientists. you want them to be objective? Yes. You, you want them to go to or at least some data. semblance of, a, of of attempting to be objective. We all yeah. we all have our biases, like I mentioned earlier, and I, I right. want you to at least go through the motions and attempt to be objective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know the the money is 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 the source of a lot of this uh, issue where people don't always follow that. You wow. know, you, you have hospitals, administrators, and they make a lot of money. Yep. And when the orders come down from the top, hey, you, you're going to do this. A lot of people, when it comes down, and, and I don't, on an individual level, I can't say that I blame some of these people. I mean, they have families, mortgages, and sure, you know, they, that's their livelihood. Uh, but I, I just, I feel like both in the academic world and even in the corporate world, that's how things, that's how things get corrupted. Well, the problem with that, and and I understand exactly where you're coming from, but the problem with that is, are we going to say that when the police come to your front door to take your guns away or any other right, what they did during COVID to do the lockdown? Well, I mean, but that, I mean, it's the same argument. I mean, we've 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 discussed that many a time. And um, look, we get you're just doing your job. 
you know what? The, got, the underlings of, family, of Hitler yeah. were just doing their job. So at right. some point, somebody like yourself has got to stand up and say, hey, wait a minute. Let's look at this more objectively. Right. And, and we're, yeah. we're, we don't want to put words in your mouth of what you've – I mean, I know you and I have had private conversations about it. But we don't want to put words in your mouth about – you know, just flat out calling things BS. It's like you said, we need to look at this data objectively and make a real determination as to what's going on. But as a paleoclimatologist, paleo meaning old, for those of you that aren't history buffs, you as, as somebody that's interested in that, that field, you've looked at this data from millions and billions of years ago, or at least explored it, Correct. Yeah, I've read many papers on on the subject, and like I say, there are many different subfields. There, I mean, it, it's a long record of history, right? Mm -hmm. it, you know, what what what? How far do you want to go back, and what time period do you want to want to look at? And, and some people spend their entire career just working on the the Holocene, which like is the last ten thousand years, sure, the last era of the of human. But 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 if you if record. you're looking if you're concentrating on the last ten thousand years or so when civilization mm -hmm. started being formed and what have you, you you you're doing yourself an injustice if you're just looking at climate by not looking at the at the at the eras before that, correct? I mean Sure. Uh but the way the way um geologic records work. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you could imagine, it makes a lot of sense intuitively. Uh, the more recent you come into the geologic record, the more likely you're going to have lots of high resolution, good records to work with. So in sure. other words, um, if you're taking sediment cores from lakes that freeze over every year, they call these things forest deposits. And, you know, you get a nice little layer, you know, e each year. Yeah. Well, now you go back out, you know, go, go to deep sea sediments where the sedimentation rate is, is, very low and it takes millions of years to accumulate thick accumulations of sediment and it's 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 not as a high resolution uh, or it doesn't have as rich data and information that you can tease out of it and so the further you go back the uncertainty goes up but we still know we still know quite a bit about deep time climate as well through and through you, proxy know, you, data. You, you can reasonably like you said, it, it it's like secondary dairy sources, but you can r make reasonable assumptions, logical right. assumptions that yeah. the climate has changed off and on multiple oh, times yeah. throughout oh. the history of this planet. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the only constant is change, really. Sure. When you start looking on on long time frames, in fact, you know most most of Earth's history uh, was a warmer climate. Uh, you know, we can even go back to just the geologic record it, itself. And we, you know, the continents move and shift around their position latitudinally, you know, where they're positioned. But we know that, that there were plants and trees and animals and things in very high latitudes sure. for long periods of Earth's history. I mean, the right. Cretaceous period was very warm. It was a greenhouse. It was a greenhouse climate. And a lot of the proxy data suggests that many multiple times of more CO2 concentrations than, than what we have now. Right. And, and literally when you start talking about CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere, I mean, we're talking about less than one tenth of a percent. We're talking parts per million level. Right. So it's, it's small, it's a trace gas. And what the people on the alarmists say is, Oh, well, it's this greenhouse gas. And you know, if you, you double that or increase it by a little bit, we're going to have this runaway effect and this super greenhouse. Well, Maybe not so. 
that's the that's the assumption. But right. correlation is not causation. There is a very good correlation between CO2 and temperature proxies going back to the ice core uh, record. Um, but if you go back before that, before the ice ages, mm. there was much higher carbon. Uh, I mean, just multiple times greater. Sure. But it was still it, it was still under a percent. It, 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 it yeah. wasn't ever. You know, it wasn't ever several percent. I mean, the the atmosphere is basically you know, oxygen and nitrogen, right? And right. you got about a percent, uh, or about almost a percent, 0.9.8 argon, and then the rest are all these trace gases. But they focus on the CO2, but what they also don't tell you is water. Water vapor yeah. is an extremely important uh, greenhouse gas. Sure. And it's even more concentrated mm-hmm. uh, than CO2 on average. Right. Now, it varies a lot. If you're in the middle of the desert in the Sahara, it's obviously pretty low. Right. But if you're in the, you know, the Amazon, it's, 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 you know, you know, almost percent yeah. or yeah. half percent. Yeah. So, uh, so there's, there's a lot of context that gets lost here in this debate. You know, if, if you just step back for a minute and say, the earth has been through all kinds of changes and, you know, it's been around for four and a half billion years and life on this planet has been around for uh, multicellular life yeah has been around for about 450 500 million years gotcha and we humans have been here for only just a fraction of that i mean one of the cool things they did in my uh when i was young just getting into college but it really put things into perspective you know he holds out his arm and he says if you think of geologic time or that uh the earth has been here and as my shoulder is the beginning and it's my finger as present day, he pulls out a file and he swipes his fingernail. He says, well, I, I've just erased, you know, human history. Yeah, that, I, I, I had. Uh, well, not only in 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 the geology class that I took, but in a couple of history classes, that was a, a, a similar example. And always it, I mean, and, and it kind of hits home. It makes you realize yeah. that in the scope of this world's history, Excuse me. We are relatively an insignificant part of that history. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. It's kind of amusing. Yeah. So all right, we're 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 getting close to uh to the end of the cast here. So there's a couple of quick hit questions I want to ask you about, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, yeah. the, the the current narrative right now is that we are experiencing the hottest summer ever. What are your thoughts and <laughs> comments not. on that? Yeah. Probably not. Well, that's already been debunked. Relative yeah. to what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it could have been hottest summer since spring. Yeah, it was the hottest <laughs> summer since spring. And, yeah. and that points out that that's an actual headline, but they, like you said, they don't lay the parameters out in what they're referring to. Yeah, because yeah, they, exactly. what temperature, is it like an average global temperature? Is it a temperature in one of these air pockets you talked about before. I mean, yeah. what, what's, what numbers are they looking at? Which summer are they talking about? Well, so, we actually didn't get into this, but uh, there is a huge problem with the land-based temperature records as well. I mean, I, I would argue as, as, as long as the data has not been messed with, you might be better off satellites because the land-based temperature records have major problems with the where, where they've set up and put these stations. I mean, there's pictures of, of, temperature recording stations next to next to a tarmac where you know jets are taking off i mean just right. insane yeah <laughs> so the, they're cherry picking yeah. and, and rigging the it's kind of like your numbers <laughs> kind of like flat earthers 
<laughs> using a parabolic formula to marry, to measure cylinders. I mean, not cylinders, uh, spheres. So anyway, well, man, it has been a great pleasure to speak with you. Um, we, we, yeah, I think we need to we need to schedule, schedule another time follow up because there's a ton of stuff that we didn't have a chance to get into. Yeah, yeah, if okay. that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah I, sure. And, and the only reason we're ending it now is because I'm doing this intermittent fasting. <laughs> And it's time for me to go eat, man. He looks like he's about to <laughs> take go. a bite out of my forearm. <laughs> so, but uh, hey, man, uh, if you don't mind, hold on when we uh, for a second uh, until we get um, when we stop recording, and then um, I'm going to end it now. Hey guys, thanks so okay. much for listening to Driveway Liberty Podcast. Uh, for for Dan, I am your uncle Wes, and Doctor Wesley Ingham. Thank you so much for coming on. How can people find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, I actually don't have much of a social media or online presence. Uh, I just I just run my business and uh, I've got a LinkedIn page and I've got my website and email. But uh, it can reach out reach out to you guys and any questions we can follow up. Uh, sure. You know, I can I can kind of do it. You guys can be my proxy. You talk. All right. Fair enough. Or you can be our <laughs> unpaid geological advisor. There you go. <laughs> so everybody's unpaid around here. Yeah, so, including us. It's a labor of love, man. Labor of love. So, hey, 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 Wes, thanks so much for coming on. And um, we hope to have you on real soon again in the near future, maybe here in a few weeks. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm happy to get into other topics about, you know, energy and yeah, oil and gas and resources. Yeah, yeah. And all we that kind of really stuff, want to dive into some of that at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sure do. Matter of fact, I meant for us to try to get into some of that a little bit today, but we'll save that for next time and that'll be the teaser. So yeah, anybody that listens sure. to this will be sure to tune in next time you're on. So hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Driveway Liberty Podcast. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm.